0: Aloha. I'm so happy you've come to listen to our podcast today. I'm here with Scott Huffaker from Pensacola, Florida, and he has a marvelous story about dealing with the life and death of his son. So welcome, Scott. Very happy to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me here.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. I was raised in North Alabama and moved to South Alabama the Gulf Coast when I was about nineteen years old and been here ever since and got married when I was nineteen and had a had a tumultuous relationship I guess uh, really throughout the entire time but ended up we ended up having three children and then and I also basically raised my oldest uh, stepdaughter Well, she was only six at the time when uh, my my wife at the time she and I married and then and then uh, later on down the road, I got a divorce and then uh, remarried and had two other children. And so currently, two you know t- currently two children still at home and three dogs, and that's quite a lot. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, that is. It's amazing anymore when you ask somebody how many children they have. They, I always tell people it depends on how you count. You
1: know, <laughs> right? Exactly.
0: So then your your son. Dylan was born with, a, I think, relatively rare
1: heart situation. Can you tell us about that? Sure. He actually, unbeknownst to us, you know, usually even even you know, 30 years ago, they had you know decent technology to be able to forecast, you know, if a child had you know defects or something, but we didn't even know. And when he was born, he had um, what's called tricuspid atresia, which is basically three chambers versus four in the heart. He had pulmonary stenosis, which was a partial blockage of the artery that goes from the heart to the lung. Uh, His heart was upside down and on the wrong side, and he had a hole in the top of his heart as well. So, and what was interesting, I always like sharing this because it's, uh, to me, it's, it's one of the most fascinating parts of his story, is that when he was born, Dr. Kirkland who was at UAB because we had to take him up there shortly. He was born in Mobile, and then we had to take him to Birmingham shortly thereafter. And so Dr. Kirkland at the time, who the Kirkland Clinic at UAB is named after, he, he, he told us at the time, you know, he's not a candidate for a heart transplant. And so they said that the best they could do, uh, is what they called a Fontan procedure. And they couldn't do that till he was three years old, and they would go in and they would take his heart out and try to rework it as best as they could. And you know that they felt like that would give him some time to live. Well, by the time he was about 21, he was on his last leg. And but what was interesting is that. Uh, at that time, he was, at, you know, 21 years later, he was a candidate for a heart transplant. But what was even more interesting was that it was Dr. Kirkland's son that did the transplant.
0: Wow. <laughs> that That is so amazing. You just don't hear of, of children having that severe of a issue with their heart, being able to survive. Um, even yeah. when you said three years old, I thought, well, I, I'm not sure he's going to make it to three, but look right. how long he lived. is pretty amazing. So when he was born and you discovered that there were those
1: problems, how did you and your wife handle it? How, what, what did you go through? Well, I mean, for, for the most part, you know, I, I will give her a ton of credit. No matter how, you know, things ended between us, I don't think Dylan would have lived as long if it hadn't been for his mom. She was tenacious, she was driven, she was determined that he was gonna live. Wow. That that's so wonderful.
0: A lot of times, I think most of the time, anybody with a health issue, whether it's it's a baby born with a problem like Dylan did, or whether it's someone who develops a heart problem later on in life, they need an advocate. There's, there's only so much you can do. Obviously, an infant can't do anything on their own, but you really need someone to speak for you or for
1: them, whoever it is, to be able to get things accomplished. Yep, and that was her. He could he couldn't have had a better better advocate.
0: That's so wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she was definitely the driving force behind him. But I mean, for the most part, I would say, I guess to maybe further answer that, I mean, it probably brought us all closer more than you know. A lot of times when you have traumatic situations in lives like that, sometimes it tears couples apart. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think probably for all of us, it it brought us all together. That's really wonderful,
0: and and you're you're right. I've seen that so much when uh, when a child buys, the parents handle it differently from yep. from one another, and when they do that, they sometimes people start accusing the other side, and it it gets. Hurtful and messy, and it's not helpful at all. I used to see that in the hospital all, all the time when I was was dealing with uh, kids, yeah. and, and there was uh, blame, a lot of blame involved. And there's there's nobody to blame in a situation like this.
1: No, no, for for sure. You know, there was nobody, and even if you could, I mean, it would have been supposition. And you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like dealing with grief. A lot of those things, you just, there's no sense even entertaining because it's not going to get you anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. The, the important thing, I think, is to focus on on the moment. What What does everybody yep. need at that this point right now? It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, right. but what do we need to do to make this moment good and be able to go on to the next moment, whatever
1: that is. Yep. Absolutely. Total agreement.
0: So how how was Dylan between when he was born and and when he had that uh, surgery at three? Did
1: was he like a normal little baby or was he struggling? Or yeah, I mean, for the most part, he did pretty good. I mean, really, throughout his entire life, he did pretty good. And I mean, you know he he had his he had his moments. I mean, he couldn't get out and run and play like a lot of kids. You know, he, he was limited on his physical abilities to a certain extent I mean he could run around a walk and stuff like that but I mean running and biking and those kind of things he couldn't really do but as far as just sitting around the house doing homework or you know playing video games or just normal things that kids do today he was he was totally capable of doing that. Good good kid.
0: yeah I know this is hard you love somebody that much and you start reflecting it's hard and I, it's obvious you loved him very very much and you were very fortunate to have him in your life so how do you look at him as uh, how does he affect your life in, uh, altogether now that he's
1: gone well I think and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book I think, you know, for me, healing's a lot of things. I have to make his life meaningful. And one of the things that I can do is honor him, uh, doing things that we would do together. But also, as I wrote the book, I, I, I did it to honor him because he he has a story. That's right.
0: Tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, the name I found real interesting and tell us why you chose to write it
1: in the manner that you did well i think you probably read in the beginning you know i was i was watching an episode it was the second episode of this of this current season of NCIS and it was an uh, i think it was the 27th of september that it aired and i was sitting there with my wife and we were watching ncis i don't watch a lot of tv but I, that show's pretty good so and she she likes it so so we watched it and so if you're familiar with the characters, Mark Harmon, who plays Jethro Gibbs, uh, he has a friend named Tobias who's an FBI agent. And so they were on a stakeout of a, of a serial killer. So uh, he had, uh, Gibbs had not seen uh, Tobias, his friend Tobias, or Joe Spano is, is the other actor's name. Uh, he had not seen him in quite a while. And so he gets in the truck. Uh, Tobias did, and he says, hey, h- how are you doing? I hadn't seen you in a while. He says, well, I'm doing pretty good. He says, well, are you still doing that uh, group thing uh, with Palmer, who's the coroner? And he said, yeah. He said, he said, that uh, counseling's really helped me very well. He said, you should try it. And they talked a little bit more. And then he starts, I mean, you know, uh, Mark Harmon's in his 70s now. And so on the show, he says, you know, you, you need to I don't know why you work so much. It's just because you're, you know, always trying to fill this void. And, and he said, he said, what void? He says, you know, Gibbs, he says, you and I are both alike. He says we're like twins. He says, you know, we both lost uh, jobs. We both lost wives more than one. And, you know, now I've joined your club. He said, I've lost a child. He said, that's not a club. He says, well, it's certainly not one I would join. He says he said what would you even call it and when he said that I never thought about it I never thought about that there's not a name I mean you got a name for widows uh, you know people that lose their spouse you know widows and widowers and you got a name for you know children that lose their parents who are called orphans but there's no name I mean the closest thing is an old Sanskrit word called voloma which means against the natural order which that's what it is children, uh, parents were never, you know, supposed to lose their children, but, you know, it happens. And so when that, that was in September and Dylan passed away on the 6th of August, I said, you know, I got to change this. And it was at that point that I realized that I needed to tell a story for a lot of reasons, because I wanted to honor him but, you know, I just I felt like there was, you know, other people needed help. And, and one of the mission, one of the things I want to do is I want enough people for us to gather together to come up with a word, because I do think it's important, not, not from the standpoint, and don't get me wrong, and I, I don't want this to sound insensitive, not that I feel like there were victims, because I, I don't believe in a victim mindset from, from as far as embracing it for a long period of time. You know, there are times when we are victims. I'm I'm not saying that. But I just feel like it's something that needs to be identified because, again, if I may just, I I didn't actually mention this in the book. But if I can reflect on history, if you look in Egypt, when the uh, Israelites were there and and they were trying to get the Israelites free, Moses was trying to get the Israelites free, there was 10 plagues, 10 plagues that came and fell upon the Egyptians. And every time Pharaoh said, no, I'm not releasing them until the last time. And if you recall, that 10th plague was the death of the firstborn. It was the one that finally broke him. Broke him. And then if you look at, at, at Job, uh, Job was looked at as a righteous man. And God had a conversation with Satan. And he said, hey, go after my man, Job. You know, you, you can't break him. And look at the first thing that he did. He took his children, and so to me, in those historical moments, I think that defines that. That's one of the greatest emotional traumas that can happen to a person.
0: It, it really is, and I. It's fascinating about not having a word for that, a, a name or or a, a label, so to speak, because they they say so much. And if if we, like I, I don't usually say I'm a widow. Even though I have been widowed twice, uh, I'll say something like my husband died, because there's something about the label to me that isn't particularly positive. To me, mm-hmm. it projects sorrow and, and yeah. pain. Mm-hmm. And, and absolutely, I was sad and had pain when they died. You know, there, there's no question sure. about that. But I'm choosing to live my life, helping others to feel better about what's happening with them when they're dealing with their loss and their grief. So the labels are, are important. I know when um, my mom died, my dad died before she did. And after mom died, one of my friends said, well, you're an orphan now. And I thought, you didn't need to say that to me. It really hit yeah. me hard. Because you think of orphans as, as children, and it, it kind of right. really took me back. But I do think it's important to be able to be truthful in your description. People will understand more if they, they realize where you're coming from. Right. So I, I think that that's important, too. So, and I, I love that, the idea, of the, the story you told about NCIS, that I think somehow we seek out people that are in our club, whatever mm-hmm. it is, in that that we can help support each other, however yep. that
1: goes. Well, we're all looking for somebody to connect with that we have, has commonality for sure. Yeah. No matter what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a favorite memory you had with Dylan?
1: (sighs) Last February, not this year, last year, my middle son, Tyler, uh, came from California. As I mentioned to you, he he lived on Catalina Island, but he came over and he and I and Dylan all went together to Birmingham for him to see the doctor. I enjoyed that.
0: That's cool to get to be with both boys. It's really special. This is, I can obviously tell
1: this is um, raw for you
0: and and recent.
1: And that's okay. I mean, I, I'm not like this all the time uh, because I, it's just sometimes when I talk about it.
0: Oh well, sure, and I understand that too. I I do that yeah. still. It's been a lot longer for me since uh, my last husband died, but it it, it doesn't mean it. I don't I actually. I cried this morning <laughs> about it because a, a friend of mine is starting her own podcast, and she had me listen to her first first one that she's recorded to to get my opinion to see how how I whether I thought she needed to change anything or if she was on the right track and it turned out to be about my husband yeah and uh, about her relationship with him that was it was a beautiful relationship we both I, I still have a beautiful relationship with her and it was all positive you know there was nothing negative in it but still, yeah. just just hearing her talk about it brought tears. So it's it's perfectly normal. And what's what's bad is Absolutely. when you don't let them out. You know that yeah.
1: that can cause lots of problems if, if you uh, don't do that. Well, and I think that's why I think that's why there's you know so many people like yourself that are in grief counseling is because we have we don't let grief be what it needs to be. Hmm. That's right. And that's comprehensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that really is. It's, it's one of the reasons that I, I suggest a few things. One of them is writing about it to, to write whatever happened, whatever you want to write about it. And for you, I would suggest when you're ready, you don't have to do it right this instant. But when you're ready, I think it would be, be great for you to write a letter to Dylan and tell him mm-hmm. anything you wish you could have said that you didn't get to, anything that you want to tell him, how you felt about him, anything like that, write it all out and, and you know, just really yeah. lay it out there. And when you get done, sign it like you would at the bottom of a letter and then start a second letter and have that letter be from Dylan to you. And you'll be amazed at what happens when you write that second letter. Don't anticipate what he'd say or what was going on or anything. Just just let it flow and see what happens. I've yeah. i had people find a, a lot of comfort from that exercise. That it,
1: it really helps sure. them a lot. I'm sure because I mean, as you probably I, I kind of grazed over in the book. I mean, I certainly believe that we can even still communicate mm-hmm. through today. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, again, I, my intent of the book, and I didn't really try to make it, you know, faith-based or biblical, but I mean, in, in Hebrews, it talks about the cloud of witnesses and those. And if they're witnesses, then they're seeing, they're hearing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, your your
0: book is, I, I read it and I was quite fascinated by it. I hadn't read anything like that before. And I know that you wrote it kind of in honor of your son. And I, I was really touched that all the proceeds from it are going to help somebody else. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we were fortunate. I mean, we had to go to Birmingham all two times and we were very fortunate uh, that we had, you know, through church connections and stuff like that, places at a couple of times we did stay on uh, uh, UABs, housing facilities, but most of the time, usually it was, you know, people that, from uh, church, the local church up there that uh, provided us a place to stay. But so when Dylan passed away, I called Connie, his nurse, and I said, is there, I said, I wanted to do something to honor him. And so I said, is there any anything that you can think of that, you know, that's local that could be helpful and that we could do to honor Dylan? And so she told me about Red Mountain Grace. And what they do is they provide rooms for people that come to Birmingham for whatever reason, you know, for, but they're there for an extended medical stay. Mm-hmm. And so they provide them a room for $10 a night. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that they're, uh, you know, strictly a nonprofit and a fund based organization. So um, initially Whenever, you know, he passed away, I just asked that everybody, instead in lieu of flowers or gifts or whatever, give to that. And I mean, all kinds of people did. We raised over $7,000 just in that short period of time. So I'm hoping we can do a whole lot more.
0: Oh, I'm sure you will. It's such a wonderful idea and how you're handling it. That's that's one of the really tough things when, especially when you have a child that's that's ill and you want to be there with them. I know I, I live in, in Maui and most of the medical care in Hawaii is on a different island and we don't have boats that go back and forth between them. You actually have to fly over wow. and the flights are expensive. It's amazing how the inter-island flights would be that much. It's not like being able to to take a bus or a train or something to the it's in the same state. And somebody that I knew had a daughter with a brain tumor, very young daughter, and she started a, a GoFundMe program just to help them with expenses. Because for years now, I'm trying to remember how old she is now, I think maybe six and she got it very, very young. And they've had so many times where they've had to, to go to someplace else and stay. And we're not that far away. It doesn't take that long to get there, but it's just too expensive right. to go back and forth. And they want to be there where she is. And I know every time she she sends out little newsletters about how her daughter's doing now. And I'm, I'm amazed at how well her daughter is doing because she had the kind of brain cancer that isn't likely to... Uh, give you a long life and she she's a beautiful child and I just I every Mm -hmm. time I you know I give a little bit every time I I get a letter letter from them and it builds up you know and she's got lots of friends and supporters and whenever they get those those emails about her the donations come in you can follow and see how much is is coming in and I just think that's such a wonderful thing to do so I I love what what you chose to do I think that's that's really great And I will have the the show notes, the the link to to get the book and uh, be able to support this cause too, I think would be really wonderful. So thank you, Scott, for for being on the show today. This has been really powerful and I think it's going to be helpful to other people that need to deal or have to deal with things like you've dealt with.
1: I hope so. And that's my goal too. I mean, at the end of the day, so many people helped us through the years, and Dylan was such a blessing. Yeah. I, I want to bless other people. That's beautiful.
0: Really beautiful. Well, thank you all for listening today. I'm so glad you got to hear this story. It, it really touched my heart, and I'm, I'm sure it does yours, too, and gives you a lot to think about with uh, the value of your everyday life. Every moment's precious. So I hope to see you next week. And thanks again, Scott.
1: Thank you, Miss Emily. Have a great day.
0: Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode